Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luden, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, Kevin, how are we doing? I'm doing great because Kevin L. Jackson is here. <laughs> you know what? I'm not doing well at all. Last week, I was in L.A. It was 91 degrees. Went down to San Diego. It was 85, although it did rain a little bit. Then I come back to Virginia, and it's like 20. Is it really that cold? Oh, my gosh. 20 degrees up in Virginia. How about that, Greg? I want spring. I want spring. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. And it looks like you're getting your frequent flyer miles yeah. in. With th that is good. Doesn't surprise us at all. Uh, the movers and shakers here uh, between Greg White and Kevin L. Jackson. And today, folks, it's the Supply Chain Buzz Digital Transformers Edition, right? So we're going right. to your transformation on. Get your transformation <laughs> on. Uh, Greg, a couple weeks ago, we got Kim winterized. Today, we're getting Kevin L. Jacksonized. Oh, Are you ready, Greg? I like it. <laughs> oh, no. I like that. <laughs> so it's all about uh, we're going to be tackling some of the leading stories really across global business. Uh, and we want to hear from you. So get your POV ready, your uh, insights ready. Those in the comments, in the skyboxes, the cheap seats, uh, we want to hear from you. Okay. So, Greg, uh, we got Kevin's update. He's been flying around the country making making deals happen. Yeah. Greg, what what have you been doing with the uh, the Hilton, the global Hilton Head Shipping Index? <laughs> Uh, well, I, we've talked a little bit that I've actually heard of a couple companies that are going to come out with a how how bad are the ports clogged up index, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we've got my Hilton Head uh, shipping index, which today was it was interesting. Today it was five, one oil tanker offshore, and the rest okay. container ships. But get this, guys, um, the Charter Yacht Eternity, a 213-foot charter yacht that costs $390,000 a week to rent, Wow, was towed into uh, the port of Savannah by a tug today. So somebody, while spending wow. their $390,000, broke the engine and had to be pulled into port. So it's interesting, these the way AIS reports, it reports... Um, no maneuverability, meaning the engines or the rudders were out of, you know, were whacked on this thing. So, Bed in the can water. you imagine being Bed on a, first of all, can you imagine being on a 213 foot yacht, Kevin? I know you get to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my dreams last night, I was, in, I was on this $230,000 a week yacht. Stuck off the coast of Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I mean, you could have worse weekends, right? It's not your boat, so who cares, right? And you're still on it. And, right, exactly. And I'm sure the bar is still I working. Get my, uh, you get a refund, right? <laughs> yeah, and you get a refund. <laughs> Double bonus. Yeah. Well, keep the uh, index and the observations coming there from the East Coast. They're the, uh, the South Carolina headquarters of Supply Chain Now. Uh, there in Hilton Head. Um, really quick, I want to run through a couple different things before we get down into the heavy lifting of today's show. I want to go ahead and say hello to a few folks. Hey, Dr. Rhonda uh, is back with us, Greg. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, work-life balance um, fountain of information and and good stuff. Dr. Rhonda from out in Arizona, right? How warm is it out there? You she think? put out a really good video over the last week, I think, in, in the last week. I cannot remember. Days are kind of running together. We've had uh, quite a few visitors, but um, yeah, uh, she's she's always doing encouraging things, which is outstanding in these times. Yeah, Rhonda, uh, drop your latest. Uh, I saw a couple of uh, recent chats you've had. Drop those in the comments. We'd welcome that. Lamont I Hardy, think, uh, Demskis has its um, event in Scottsdale, Arizona this week, right? I think is it this week? week? 
Yeah. How did we not get an invite? Kevin, are you going or no? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a long story. <laughs> it's okay. It's actually going to be a hybrid event this year. Oh, um, got it. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, but let's drop that link. Uh, so, Amanda, uh, first off, Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, thanks for all that you do, the production team behind the scenes. Uh, let's let's track down that link for the Demska D, uh, see, Diverse Manufacturing and Supply Chain As Alliance. Right, Kevin? Yeah, right. Accelerate 2022. Right. What year is it? We know the cool thing, Greg and Kevin, because I've, I've been talking with uh, David, um, uh, David uh, Brooks, right, Kevin? Uh, Burton, yeah. Burton, yes. gosh, David Burton. Sorry, it's a Monday. I've been talking, chatting with David Burton. One of the cool things they're doing is, you know, Greg, if you remember a couple of years ago, they brought in uh, four or five students uh, uh, that were interested in supply chain, yeah. right? Some of them were matriculating through programs. They're like um, tripling that, if not more. They're bringing in 15, 20 students, mixing with some of the leading manufacturing, procurement, uh, supply chain leaders across the country. So I love what david burton's doing yeah um okay yeah and i mean we we met with some of those folks after that and they have matriculated on into great careers right that's right that's right so, morgan state university where where those those uh, uh students were from and yeah. kevin that was one of our earliest collaborations yeah. if you remember i think uh that's where we first met you first interviewed me there that's right we talked about your your uh, naval pilot, amongst other things, uh, days. Where Scott discovered me. <laughs> or was it the other way around? Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a great time. That's a great organization. So uh, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Let's see, Lamont Hardy, speaking, I think he's in San Diego. Lamont, great to have you yeah. back. Kevin was just talking about yeah, venturing let's down. Hear about what the weather's yeah. like where you are. <laughs> Make us all jealous, yeah, Lamont. Exactly. Uh, Samana, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Thanks for joining here today. Abhinav, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Let us know. I, I know you've joined us before, but let us know where you're tuned in from. That'd be wonderful. Ahmad is tuned in uh, via LinkedIn as well. Malinga from Zambia is here with us. Great to have you here, Malinga. Uh, John, hello from the West Coast. Take take a guess. Let's see. West Coast. Uh, Kevin, Greg, where do you think John is dialed in from? I think... Uh... John's been on with us before, but I yeah. think it's, he didn't specify the country. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the West right. Coast of what continent? Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it's California. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be even more wrong, likely, and say San Francisco area. If I were. Okay. So, Kevin, take a we'll guess. See how Seattle. That was my Where? guess. So I'm gonna go with uh, Seattle. I'm gonna go with Seattle. Yeah. I'm gonna That's, go with that is the um, West Coast. That is, <laughs> I'm gonna go with with uh, Oregon. Uh, what's a cool town in Oregon? Portland. Um, Portland. Port Portland. Yep. So we got Portland, Seattle, and Greg's was San Francisco. So we'll see who is closest. And by the way, we dropped in the Demska link there. Wonderful. Thanks so much for uh, being Johnny on the spot there, production team. Um, okay, and welcome everybody. Now we couldn't get everybody. We look forward to your comments throughout today's. Uh, 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 Buzz episode, mm -hmm. Transformers. John, San Jose. We are all. Wrong. I'm closest though. San Francisco is like, <laughs> on the map. It's only like this far. That's right. <laughs> and for all of you who right. don't right. know, a map hey, is a map paper version of like Google Maps. <laughs> it depends on how much you zoomed well, in, how far away <laughs> on Google Maps. Yeah. Greg wins as usual, Kevin. I get used to it around here. Okay, so let's dive into some programming notes before we get into three big stories uh, that we're going to be tackling here today. I want to start with Kevin. Uh, Digital, Digital Transformers here at Supply Chain Now has been on quite a roll. It's been blowing up, uh, of course, powered by our friends Thomas Carter and uh, the TNS team, which we'll talk about in just a second. But in this latest episode, uh, Innovation Through Convergence, Cloud AI, machine learning, blockchain. What'd y'all talk about? <laughs> you know that was a that was an awesome show. Uh, it was uh, the Qatar Roadshow. Okay. Um, work and we're working with the um, the Middle East and North African Cloud Alliance, talking about 
because because cloud is really growing big there. In fact, Egypt is um, uh, sort of a leading regional power when it comes to cloud computing. Uh, just a quick note: uh, Digital Transformers hit forty-two top business show in Egypt last wow. week. So because of this this episode, and we talk about how. Uh, cloud is serving as the foundation for artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain, and, and how that entire region is accelerating by quickly adopting and, and transforming their businesses uh, with cloud. So what you're saying, Kevin, is uh, just like um, Jerry Lewis is big in France. You're saying it's kind of like Kevin L. Jackson in <laughs> Egypt. Is that what you're saying? I'm big in Egypt, baby. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, big thanks to our friends at TNS that sponsor that series. A lot of good stuff. We've got some big shows teed up. I know you do, Kevin. Uh, and folks, you can learn more uh, at tnscorp.io. And of course, you can also check out Digital Transformers at supplychainnow.com. Okay, Kevin, keep the good stuff coming. Uh, and who knows, we might just entice Greg White, who is has been on sabbatical. You know, Tequila Sunrise was popular everywhere, including Egypt. We might just <laughs> get him off that sabbatical and meeting once again with the movers and shakers across uh, supply chain startup land. Well, we're going to talk think, about Greg? some inspiring topics today in supply chain and digital. So um, I, you, you might just be right, Scott Luton. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Well, hey, folks, also want to keep this on your radar. The 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards nominations are open. And Greg and Kevin, we've had we've had the markets really responded. We're going to need more time to process all the information that's coming our way. We have extended nominations until uh, keeping them open until uh, April 1st. We've got no nine different categories. What's that, Greg? No joke. No joke. That's right. Avalanche. Avalanche. <laughs> In a good way of some <laughs> of the companies and individuals out there making it happen. You can learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. And again, all nomination fees are being donated to a nonprofit on the move, Hope for Justice, which is leading the fight uh, against modern slavery and human trafficking. So y'all check that out. All right. I want to say hello to a few more folks, and then we're going to get going with a, uh, a quick weekend observation, some data factoids. We're going to be talking digital transformation and supply chain, why that doesn't work very often. As you heard from Greg, we're going to talk about some really hot and meaty topics that, and want to get y'all's take on those here today as well. It's like the Chef Boy RD version of the supply chain buzz, Greg and Kevin. Uh, Lamont. Uh, Lamont is in San Diego. It's going to be 62 degrees today. That is uh, That sounds gorgeous i can just picture how sunny of a day it is uh it's Zalon. 62 always in san diego oh, it's, it's always 62 <laughs> greg it's frigid that's frigid isn't it for san diego i thought it was always i thought i always thought san diego would be the easiest um, meteorologist job in the world right because the temperature is always the same except for the marine inversions in june which last till noon to keep your temperature down and fog <laughs> over the bay area <laughs> yeah, I used to live in Mira Mesa. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, I love, I loved it. Nice. Place. Always 62 and always classy there in San Diego. Uh, Zalan joining us from uh, Pakistan. Great to see you, Zalan. Uh, Leela is tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Thanks so much for being. Jose Montoya, uh, he's the West Coast maestro uh, for logistics and coffee. Great to see you, Jose. Look forward to catching back up with you soon. Seema is tuned in from India. Great to see you, Seema. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Gene Pledger. He's becoming quite a legend around these parts. Gene Pledger, hope this finds you well. I love that picture of you and your significant other, perhaps. Uh, Better looks hope great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Boulay, all night and all day. Of course, we can't do a buzz episode without you, PB. Great to have you here. Uh, John says, 62 is cold. It's always 70 degrees in San Diego. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's keep driving here. Uh, I want to share this with y'all, uh, uh, Greg and Kevin. So over the weekend, uh, you know, y'all know Amanda and I are routine. 
we grab our laptops, knock out work with usually a documentary or, so, or something or a good, good movie kind of playing uh, in the background. Well, you know, Greg, we've tackled um, the 737 Max uh, issue for quite some yeah. time, right? It's been really intriguing. Uh, unfortunately, it's cost um, the lives of hundreds of folks, right? Well, Netflix released this documentary, which is really led by, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, Peter something or other. He's been covering aviation for the Wall Street Journal for uh, over 20 years. And they, had, they really put a well-crafted story behind what's been going on um, with the 737 Max, and, and we watched it over the weekend, and it was it was intriguing. Hmm. Um, the story focuses a lot, Greg and Kevin, on how the leadership and culture of Boeing throughout this process, really predating the 737 Max, how it changed dramatically, especially since Boeing had acquired McDonnell Douglas. And then, of course, as we talked about, Greg, the headquarters moved to, to Chicago. Right. And one of the reasons that um, uh, the uh, the film at least speaks to that they moved the headquarters. They wanted to separate the financial folks from the engineering and technical folks, right? They wanted to make, be able to make decisions um, and not, huh? what's that, Kevin? Independent. They didn't yes. want the money uh, Independent. the uh, decisions, yeah. Right. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, this, this documentary suggests that the safety of its passengers via the 737 MAX were compromised by Boeing leadership's focus on the price of its stock. Um, so I would check this out. If you're interested in aviation, if you're interested in 737 MAX, all that, what's been going on, including the tragedy. Uh, also, it touches a lot on the story of the competition between Boeing and Airbus, which I found to be fascinating. So uh, if you're looking for a good documentary, Downfall, the case against Boeing is a good one. Greg, your quick commentary, and Kevin, I'll circle back to you as a, as a pilot. Interesting, the impact of short-term site on your stock price has on the long-term price of your stock price, not to mention the loss of life, but how silly and stupid is that, right? I, I mean, I, I just think you, you have to ha take a much, much longer view than that. And it's especially in this age of transparency, right. there's, no, there's nowhere to hide, folks. So why? <laughs> yeah. Well said, Greg. And uh, Kevin, a lot of folks may not know, uh, you're, you're a pilot. You piloted uh, aircraft in the Navy. Um, so what's your take on, on this? Well, actually, I know uh, Greg was talking about a long view. I think it's, it's uh, maybe it's lack of a broad view. I mean, business is about a lot of things. And the stock price is just one very narrow aspect of it. Um, I mean, uh, performance, customer service, customer lives. I mean, these are very important aspects. And, uh, and it's up to management to maintain a broad view of the business so that mm. you can make proper balances, right? Agreed. Agreed. Damn well said. Right. Um, and, you know, of course, this type of story deserves more than a couple of minutes. But uh, let's, let's see what uh, Peter watched it last night. And Peter, of course, spent close to 30 years in the aviation industry, right? Um, he says that it leaves you angry, and I agree with him there. And he also says that uh, the reporting, someone that would know being in the aviation industry, reported was spot on for the documentary. Um, agreed. Uh, Mohib, 737 MAX should be the safest aircraft now, you would think. Uh, you know, there's one point in the movie where the FAA and Boeing was doing their calculations on risk. And uh, as I recall, don't quote me on this, but the calculations based on before the fix that they were projecting 15, the loss of 15 aircraft over the lifespan. And of course that's not, a, that's, that, that, that would make it the most dangerous modern day aircraft. Right. Um, but y'all, y'all got to check it out. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating film and um, it really uh, made you, made you stop and think about um, not just aviation, not just, you know, FAA and, and people's lives, but, but where leadership and culture plays in the, to all of that. So, um, okay. So, uh, I also want to touch on one more thing on a much, much lighter note, but a very, very uh, related note and certainly, uh, something for the, uh, supply chain community here in the States. Before we get into the heavy lifting, I want to talk for a second. This, uh, data factoid came to us from the wall street journal, the logistics report, Greg, Kevin, y'all get the logistics report. You're not. Uh, no, I don't get that. I miss that one. I it have is. a pile of stuff I need to read in the corner of the <laughs> right now. 
It is good stuff. I'm glad no one needs. <laughs> no one needs another email, but uh, uh, as part of being subscribed to this, we get a, a morning email about seven, I think. Uh, some of the latest headlines from across global supply chains, really good stuff. But check this out. Uh, $4.4, almost $4.02, just about. So that's the price per gallon on average for diesel fuel across the U.S. for the week ending February 14th. That is the first time that the diesel average has exceeded four bucks since March, uh, since March 2014. Highest price in about eight years. Greg, how about that? Yeah, and I recall uh, it getting as high at, at what I recall is it getting as high as 449 um, back around that time. I don't know exactly when it was. And that's when we instituted fuel surcharges, you'll recall, which by the way, never went away. And I'm sure are going up as fuel prices go up as well. So a good lesson that in some inflation is permanent, mm. right? It's and, time to go get your electric car, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong, Kevin. I mean, what, you know, <laughs> autonomous is inevitable. First of all, the truck driver shortage is permanent. In just my opinion, um, you know, the generation that, really enjoyed and embraced driving is is still retiring and retired at a much higher rate than expected last year and nobody really wants to embrace that autonomous has the potential to bring significant safety benefits and of course a lot of those autonomous vehicles frankly all of them really just about have to be electric so um yeah i think that it's a great it's a great case for that the truth is mm. we will still use fossil fuels, unfortunately, to produce, I think it's over 60% of the electricity in the States and in many other countries, it's much, much higher, but, but still, um, it's a step in the right direction in a lot of ways from a broad standpoint, Kevin. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Well, actually, Kevin. I was looking at a show that was talking about a, a new way of, of uh, capturing carbon uh, and then reprocessing it to make gasoline. <laughs> so you, you're able to put it in a, uh, a, a carbon loop. And uh, some people are happy because they say, hey, look, you know, you can make more gasoline. They say, well, that won't keep us from using fossil fuel. So I guess there's good things and, and, and bad things. But, uh, you know, we, we always have to uh, keep our eyes open for all options. And yeah, right. uh, electric uh electric is a, is a great renewable option agreed and if somebody agreed. could just and cap those volcanoes so they don't erase 100 years of, yeah, yeah. of carbon carbon savings in an instant that would be awesome too seriously though i mean really got to think about how we could how we could capture and process that carbon likewise kevin to your point if we can capture that those carbon emissions if we could somehow That'd be a huge scale, but if we could capture the carbon emissions of a, or even just some of them of a, um, you know, a volcanic eruption, that would be hugely impactful. Agreed. Uh, all right. It's a lot of good stuff to, and we're just on the front end of, of fascinating things to talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to throw one more at y'all. Uh, cause did you know that today in history, that the first, uh, this day in history back in 1878, the first telephone book is issued in New Haven, Connecticut, right? So in case you get asked that uh, at the next bar you're at drinking a beer, it listed 21 names. And within an hour, all 21 people were sold a car warranty for their horse and buggy. True <laughs> fact. True fact. Um, <laughs> so, wow. All right, so Greg, that is impressive. <laughs> When, that's right, 1878, uh, New Haven. Where, uh, where, where robocalling was born. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So no shortage of things. Life insurance. <laughs> yeah, think about uh, how that changed lives uh, way back then. Um, okay. So we are going to uh, get ready to drop into the news of the day, especially from a digital transformer standpoint, right? But before we do, I want to share a couple of things here. Yes, Rhonda. Uh, seriously, a telephone book. What the heck is that? Right? No, our, our kids certainly. <laughs> Somebody said telephone not know. book. I didn't hear that. Did you say telephone? <laughs> Did I say telephone book? 
I said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's see here. Uh, Jose was agreeing to what y'all were saying earlier. E-autonomous is the way to go. Um, let's see. Uh, Ika Mafuna. Thanks for, for coming back. I thought you, uh, they were with us uh, within the last few weeks. Great to have you back. They watched that interview as well, the documentary on Boeing. Um, really good stuff there. And SEMA, yes, leadership and culture play a massive, critical role. Completely agree with you. Um, and finally, Michael says, the company worked for a number of years ago, had fuel surcharges in place since the mid-2000s. And when all went down at the beginning of the pandemic, the organization dropped below the fuel trigger for the first time since it was implemented. We mm-hmm. lost a couple of million in those first months of the pandemic. Well, if and they were so charging much. fuel char- surcharges over the prices between the mid 2000s and now, they made many, many more millions than they lost in those couple of months. And they lost. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point. Okay. So uh, we talked about the news of the day. Let's talk about digital transformation and why they are failing oftentimes, especially in supply chain. Great new article here by our friends at the supply and demand chain executive. And Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Unpack mm-hmm. this a bit for us. And then Greg, I'm going to circle back for your commentary sure. here. So Kevin, what's going on? Well, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things. And, and one of the things that changes is business and people, because everybody had to start working home, everyone started looking at technology to solve their problems. And in 2020, Gartner did a survey and showed that nearly 70% of companies had accelerated their digital roadmaps. Mm. Um, But 68% of them failed. (laughs) So they failed to report any positive returns on their digital investment. So the question is why? Um, And this is especially in the supply chain world. So the, the number one reason was lack of project governance. I mean, they just said, uh, do digital transformation. Uh, what's that? Right. <laughs> okay. There was there was no why. They, they had no end state vision of, of where they were going, right? They, they, there was no unified vision. Nobody knew what they were doing. They were just basically buying anything that had digital attached to it. The, the, the number two reason was that although they everyone was doing digital transformation, they had no talent. They didn't understand what they were doing, right? Their opportunities to innovate require, you know, first of all, that vision, and then a pilot to see if what you think should happen actually does happen. You need to really flesh out your ideas of what the digital capabilities should deliver. Um, And so there was really a divide between the digital capabilities and the capabilities required to actually scale uh, a a transformation. And and finally, they just took the wrong approach. Mm. They, they, um, it was sort of shiny item-itis, right? (laughs) They didn't know what they were doing (laughs) or why they were doing it, but if, if it was shiny and it was on the shelf, they bought it, and then they forced the organization to implement it. Um, so for all of those reasons, everyone was saying digital transformation, digital transformation, but they were failing. So Greg, that's a, there's a lot there. What comes to your mind initially? Every single one of those things goes to the failure of strategic and executive leadership in terms of positioning the company. If, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have proper governance or a proper goal, that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. As they talked about how to relieve Mm -hmm. a lot of what Kevin described, they talked about have a proper goal, start small, get quick wins, and build uh, comfort and and recognition within the organization of not just just that you can be successful with a, uh, a digital transformation, but precisely where and how and that that creates ideas for people to go, oh, well, if it'll work there, it should work here. Let's try that. And when your people start drawing you through this transformation, then things really change. But if your people aren't ready for change, whose fault is that? Leadership, mm. right? If, if you take the wrong approach, whose fault is that? Leadership. 
So one of the things we have to recognize here, and I mean, look, this is not new because of digital transformation. This is new because of anything. I mean, insert supply chain five, 10 or 15 years ago, and you had exactly these same problems before. Insert ERP 15, 20, 30 years ago, you had the same problems. Failure of leadership to lead, to give clear direction, to enable and prepare people for change, and then to ultimately make sure that it is the right initiative for the time for the company. The, the, the way that these things succeed is when a leader, a C-level leader, usually above COO or CIO or somebody who has perhaps disjointed um, goals, as they talk about in this and, and in other articles, that has to be the CEO. Every digital transformation failure, in my opinion, falls squarely at the feet of the CEO of the company. Well said yeah. there. I, I don't bring this in from DC. So DC's been on the show with us before, uh, Greg. She's uh, back. You may recall. She is back. And, and she's also great to wave on these because it looks uncool, but hey, DC. <laughs> well, she's all, she's back. Um, and she's also creating some really cool content. DC, I'd love for you to drop your link there. And hopefully your husband is doing well. He's a brilliant uh, musician who's played here at Supply Chain Now. She says many of us in this space know why these transformations fail, and yet they continue to fail. Yes, Greg White, leadership and governments. What are the objectives? Why are we even doing this? What are we looking to gain aside from feeling productive because we're going through the motions of an implementation? A lot of good stuff. Yeah, some connect the why. Yes. Yeah, right? the yeah why. they talk about that in this in that article as well. <laughs> and she's waving back uh, at you, Craig. All right, we're uncool together. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right, memory says, hey, stuck in traffic with you guys to keep me from losing my cool memory. Hang in there. I can't, Forget I can't about see memory. memory. Forget about traffic. Right. Just pretend you're in an ocean ship. You're in a container ship, right? You, you got time. You know, 390000 a week? Yeah, even better. Pretend you're in the eternity of $390,000 yacht. Someone is towing around right now. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I just can't see memory losing or cool. And, and by the way, I love the new headshot there, memory. Love that. Um, let's see here. SEMA is, is weighing in as well. Digital investment, lack of project governments, correct 100%. No talent, no vision, uh, no digital c capabilities. Finally took the wrong approach. All of that. I think she's agreeing and adding a, a couple of cents there. Uh, Mohib, I think it's going back to an earlier part of the conversation. Mohib there in Wichita, Kansas. Hope this finds you well at home of the, the Shockers, Wichita State University. Electric is a great option, he says. If the electricity used to charge an automobile is generated by renewable energy plants. Otherwise, it's just a feel-good, yet it's the same carbon emission happening elsewhere into our skies. Hmm. We're working on it. I mean, we are working on it. There's an electric plane that uh, electric plane that's um, I, I saw on online the other day. Really? That, uh, they expect to be commercialized next next year. Very cool. Um, and we're getting an update here. So DC says that uh, Joseph uh, Sfagola, I get that close. Sfagola. Sfagola. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, it's not Joseph the easiest says, name in the world. I think he told us it was even mispronounced in Italy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Joseph has transitioned to film and TV composing. He's working on his IMDB wow. profile. We're going to have to hook back up with Joseph. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see here. And God Josh discovered him too, Kevin L. Jack. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, good people. Good Sky's people. The limit and for us, man. Sky's the limit. Josh is talking. What? So three games in hand with two North Dundon derbies left. Wild three months left. Is he talking soccer, Greg? What's yeah, he talking? He is talking soccer. If I recall correctly, he's an Arsenal fan and he may be gigging me a little bit. Uh, North <laughs> Dundon derby is Tottenham and Arsenal. So he's a gunner. Gotcha. Well, hey, Josh, great to have you here. And thanks for uh, – don't poke the bear too, 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 too much with Greg. But uh, thanks <laughs> for not keeping, it, uh, keeping it fun. <laughs> Um, and DC dropped in the link, uh, let's see every second Friday of the month. So you can sign up for reminders there. So love what you're doing, DC. Thanks for, cool, okay. thanks for stopping by. I'm okay. So, uh, I'm going to, Kevin, I'm gonna give you the last word on this first story here today. We were talking about why digital transformations in supply chain fail. Your last word, Kevin. It's the CEO's <laughs> fault. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll ride with that for sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> we'll tell you um, what. All right. 
Kevin L. Jackson is a CEO, and his digital transformations don't don't fail. So, enough said. <laughs> so let's not front work, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We're gonna uh, so we don't have to leave the topic. We're gonna keep talking digital transformation a little bit more here. And um, let's see here if I can get my notes right. So to do it right, as Sanjeev Sahu with Ingram Micro says, not only does it take a lot more than technology, which we record has been a drumbeat here in our conversations, but he says you've got to focus on execution, and it really takes a, quote, operational spirit, uh, as is reported in this article here from CDNet. And, and they got these quotes from, I think, a recent show featuring our dear friend uh, Ray Wong, Kevin. So tell us what's going on here, yeah. and then we'll get Greg's hot take in a second. Well, first of all, shout out to Ray. Ray, Ray Wong is CEO and founder of Constellation Research, and we had him on the show earlier this year. And he interviewed uh, Sanjeev. And, and one of the things that's really important, uh, the why when you're doing digital transformation has to be related to the business goals, right? Why are you in business? What are the measures that actually indicate success for your organization? So we have, when, you, when you are doing digital transformation, you have to focus on your digital operations and have a passion for continuous value creation. And continuous that value, value creation. Yeah. And it has to relate to a metric within your organization that's important to you and your shareholders. This ensures that the entire company is also performing while they transforming. It's not like, hey, wait a second, we have to stop the company while we transform. Right. <laughs> right. You got to keep, well, you got to change the uh, wheels while you're still going down the highway. You got to replace the wings while you're still flying, right? So design and focus on the customer engagement model and take a very inclusive, structured, and empathetic, you know, empathetic and creative approach to how you support and deliver value to your customers and monitor your customer journey. Analyze it using those metrics that everyone agrees on. Mm. Uh, and the metric has to relate to not just your business operations, but the end-to-end -end processes, people, and the technology that you need to use. And finally, your organization has to be designed to operate in a digital way, okay, mm. so that you can accelerate value. Uh, Sanjeev called it DigiOps, right, where you need to digitally create value and measure the results, okay? This is really goes back to the first article. If you don't have the why, you can't be successful. Right. Okay. So, Greg, I'm looking forward to get your continued take here on what Kevin said and, and what this conversation from CDNet was all about. Your take. Well, I mean, I think he's nailed it, really. Look, the, the problems in digital transformation, they don't vary based on the story that we cover, right? They vary based on what is foundationally a approach or principle or, or foundation, frankly, with how people approach projects of all kinds. And the real key to success, other than this executive oversight and executive buy-in and executive guidance, is winning the hearts and minds of the people whose jobs are impacted every day. And sometimes you have to recognize that that is not broadly company serving. Sometimes you can serve the company by serving someone's workplace self-interest if they feel like they're wasting time or they feel like they're not making progress or they feel like they're not making an impact then sometimes mm, you have right. to take that as the victory and that builds morale that can build momentum that can build projects that can build success and i think um you know if more companies approach this the way that that kevin and and sanjeev and ray have talked about then i think we wouldn't be having this conversation now at all. This, these are problems that should have been solved, solved over half a century ago when people started implementing technology into their companies. And 
Um, all we right. need to do is change the way leadership views and and approaches and executes these kind of projects, and it will all change rapidly. And we need that change rapidly, particularly as regards digital transformation with supply chain. Agreed. Agreed. It's the only way we're going to be able to keep well, up with what consumers want. That's a great want. point. And Kevin, you, we all noted in, in reviewing these articles, they talk about competitive advantage. It's not even about competitive advantage anymore. It's about survival. You have to do these digital transformations. You have to do them well, and you have to do them to create positive outcomes within your company, or you're dead. End of mm. discussion. Yeah. So I actually, <laughs> actually wrote an article um, that's going to be coming out this, this week for, for Ericsson Digital, and it was talking about um, the fact that uh, they, they interviewed uh, consumers and consumers really don't use email anymore. They've transitioned to, to mm -hmm. text. And it was talking about how companies haven't recognized that. <laughs> They're still trying to connect with people with email. So they haven't changed their outreach processes and the tools uh, to really follow where the customers are going. Yeah, it's not about uh, differentiation. It's about doing what your customers want. <laughs> right, you right. Agreed. And survival, as Greg puts it. That's, that's yeah. an excellent point. Okay, I got to get, get some of the comments in. We got yeah, so they many are from lot, the cheap they seat. Are good ones. Yeah. <laughs> They're really good. Comments. So, Lily, go Gunners. Uh, she, she threw that in there. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rhonda is still talking. Um, uh, so, so much to think about when it comes to renewable ener energy pros and then some unexpected cons we can mitigate with a deeper understanding of how intervention impacts our environment. Excellent point. SEMA goes back to another earlier point. Digital transformation is a CEO's fault. I completely agree, she says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to circle back to Rohit's question in a second. We'll, Rohit, we'll get to that question before we wrap today. So uh, stay, stay tuned on that. Uh, Memory says, if the leaders lack commitment technology, they couldn't save their strategy if they tried. <laughs> Or, or I'm sorry, I, I, I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable there. Yeah. If leaders lack yeah, commitment. Lack commitment. Technology couldn't save their strategy if they Amen tried. to that. Excellent that point. Is well, well said right there. Got to teach Scott that English. Yeah, no kidding. Man. Uh, Peter Bollet, it's all about the five whys, which I love. It's one of the best, most simple tools to get to the heart of just about any matter. So love that uh, comment there. Um, let's see here. T-Squared is with us. He holds down the fort for us on YouTube. Great to see you here, T-Squared. Having no clarity of vision and well-armed talent will always send you to failure. As the Chinese, or as the Japanese say, if you don't know your direction, you'll end up where you're headed. <laughs> sounds like a, um, that sounds almost like a Yogi Bearism, uh, Greg yeah, and Kevin. It is, and it's, and, and it's genius and it's simplicity, right? It's Agreed. It's, uh, it reminds me of when I first started racing cars, one of my racing instructors, as I was crashing through the cones, said, if you don't, if you're not going the direction you want to go, why is your foot still on the accelerator? Right. <laughs> That's right. I love that one. I've heard that a time or two. It's one of my favorite Greg White-isms. Uh, DC says, I hope people are listening and taking notes. Kevin L. Jackson is breaking it down very simply and succinctly. And well, oftentimes you don't get all that uh, in the same conversation I found. Thank you, Dice. Thank you, um, DC. Lamont <laughs> says, driving home the strategic roadmap, foundational pillars and success factors, driving all those home are also important when implementing digital technology. Clarity, focus, execution, and closure from a project manager's perspective. And Lamont, if y'all notice, all those certifications, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to managing and leading, <laughs> leading projects, right? Um, all right. And then I'm going to share this from Dr. Rhonda. Reminds me on the need for a complete uh, job process evaluation and ongoing training and development, keeping our team updated on the importance of why and uh, continued development is essential to performance. Uh, as changes continue, it's important to communicate in a thoughtful, mindful way so that folks still feel included in the process. Long ramble, she says, but you're, you're dead yeah. on, uh, Dr. Rhonda. Dead Change on. is constant, right? Change is constant, whether we like it or not. Okay. Um, so I want to go back for a second. 
Uh, Greg, I want to ask you this question from Wahit, and of course, Kevin, I'd welcome you to weigh in as well. This is a great question before we get to the next story. Uh, Rohit says, uh, and great to have you with us uh, here, uh, Rohit. Greg, how can the world learn from the experiences of similar transformations from the past, like you mentioned, uh, how messed up it was during the transformation, uh, the transition maybe, to ERP? So Greg, would love for you to weigh in on that. Yeah, well, there, I mean, there are studies and books written on some of these, these things, and there are tons of project management principles books. I, I would explore both the, the books that purport to define a new methodology or a better methodology for, for projects and transformational change within a company, but also look back at the big fail, failures. Hershey's, Nestle, sorry, don't want to pick the wrong chocolate company. <laughs> <laughs> Nestle's implementation of SAP, if it is not the subject of a book, should be because it was a very costly and very poorly run project universally mm. by the consultants, by the technology provider, and by mm. the implementing company. So, um, and there, you know, there ha there have to be write ups on those kind of things. So, I would encourage people to seek out those projects that have both been successful and those that have been, let's just say, now nah, let's not let's not candy coat it. Those that have failed miserably, and right. um, and they are, uh, you know, there are many of both, um, and then see what went wrong. But I got to tell you, it's it's no more difficult than keeping your eye on the why, and that's mm. that's as as simple as I can put it. And that's where most projects go awry. Uh, that, that rhymed, but I didn't mean for it to. I tried, not, I tried to find a word that didn't rhyme. I, I saw that. I, I saw you pause when it, that realization you had yeah. it was about to rhyme. I saw you pause, but hey, all good. All good. All right. Stay tuned for the next national bestseller by Greg White. Right. Uh, That's right. Oh, I, and I bet Kevin, I mean, we could probably contribute to a War and Peace volume of, of both failed and successful <laughs> projects because. I have been through some that still I am scarred by today, right? And um, and I feel like so much could have been done. And I'm sure you've all, you've all had those experiences. I'm sure everyone out there has had an experience like that. And the key right. is not necessarily mm -hmm. to focus on the failure, but to focus on what went wrong and um, and make sure that you you know what to avoid you know the signals of being distracted or misdirected and and uh and also how to correct that yep right kevin whether it's erp or whether it's just general technology transformations what else would you add to uh to, to rohit's question it's the ceo's fault <laughs> <laughs> we, you know speaking of the ceo uh you diagnosed what many ceos have earlier in the show to quote Kevin L. Jackson, shiny item itis. And you know, we got to speak to that for a second because so, all too often, you know, whether it's digital transformation or lots of yeah. other things, it's oh, a yeah. it's a me too. I want to grab that. Let's let's do that. Let's do that. And it's just thrown over the fence oh. without that um, intentional communication that both of y'all have spoken to. Dr. Ronda was speaking to. So Kevin. Um, your commentary. So um, one of the biggest issues when uh, companies were, you know, transitioning to cloud computing, why did companies decide to go to cloud? It's because they were on a plane, they looked in the magazine, and the magazine said everybody was going to cloud, it was the newest thing. So the CEO gets off the plane, picks up the phone, and calls the, uh, you know, all the C-suite and says, we're going to cloud. Everybody says, what's that? I don't know. I don't care. We're going to cloud because everyone is going to cloud. And then everyone marches towards cloud. The uh, uh, CTO you know, goes down to uh, signs are us and, and gets a sign that says cloud center and puts it up on the data center. Right. And they say, OK, we now have a private cloud. I mean, <laughs> Sounds like so, Oracle a few years ago. <laughs> but, you know, so you, you have to you, you really have to understand what you're doing. You have to understand the why you have to link that why to operational metrics. Agreed. And and there's got to be a clear-cut business case, as, as, as you're alluding to, right? Yes. It can't just be that shiny item, itis, that Kevin uh, mentioned earlier. Okay. 
Uh, I want to add Mohib's comment, and then we're going to move to the next story. Mohib says uh, PMP and ACP, which I think those are certifications by the Project Management Institute. Big shout out to Mary Kate Saliva, who's doing great work for our military veterans, uh, helping them get equipped with PMI stuff. Uh, Mohib says that those two uh, are big now on agile methodology and servant leadership. CEO and next level leaders could start following that for greater project success. Mm -hmm. Thanks for adding that, Mohib. Um, okay, so uh, let's move on to the future of work, if that works for <laughs> both of y'all, right? Oh, the yeah. future of work, yeah. especially in supply chain. So, uh, Kevin, um, let's talk about your thoughts here. When it comes to future, future work is getting all the uh, a lot of juice in industry, mm -hmm. a lot of juice in conversations. Everyone is fascinated. I think the pandemic, perhaps, and um, and, and how that's impacted so much, uh, work, so many workforce issues. I think that's just elevated these discussions about the future work. So Kevin, what are your thoughts first? Well, you know, we've talked a, a lot about the CEO. I've said it's always the CEO's fault, right? But it, it's really about the people. It's not just the CEO. It's about all of the human resources that you have across the organization. And yes, the CEO mm. is important for setting the vision for holding people to task. But, I mean, the roles are changing when it comes to digital transformation. Companies really need to take a close look at redesigning their supply chain roles and the skills that are needed in order to match the new reality. In fact, a uh, McKinsey uh, Global Institute survey showed that 87% of leaders thought that their companies were not ready to address the digital skills gap. Think about the pandemic when everybody had to work from home and everybody was trying to figure out what to do, what they needed to buy. And a lot of the software right. had been sitting on the shelf for years, not used because people said, oh, it's too hard to do it that way. All right. So, but McKinsey is saying that about 50% of the current activities that companies are doing, especially around supply chain, will be automated by 2030. Think about that, mm. right? Um, and in eight short years, this will fundamentally change the entire nature of supply chain jobs. So if your company is not ready by understanding the change in the skill set and what training needs to be put in place, guess what? It's the CEO's fault. All right, what? so you right. have to really work towards the new reality of integrated digital supply chains. Some of the new roles that are going to come up, predictive demand management, where you have to uh, look at the demand signals and how that affects the rest of the supply chain and optimize your algorithm for your forecasting software. How about end-to-end -end supply planning and execution, right? You have to understand the model for your production planning. Get this one, no-touch order management, all right? You're going to have a need a team that actually designs, manages the fully automated order to delivery process in your organization and, and your operational logistics team. They're going to have to design, operate, and improve the automated warehouses. You know, what are the robots going to do today? <laughs> All right. Um, and your network configuration. Okay. You need to have more strategic tasks. Things like deciding on your production footprints for your new products or optimizing the network for tariffs, exchange rates, fluctuations. And how about digital currency? Okay. <laughs> how does your supply chain operate when you're using Bitcoin? And finally, the data mastery unit. I love that, right? Okay. These are the dedicated resources to support data analytics, as well as master data management, because it's all mm. about the data. 
the, the article All itself the goes into many more details. But, you know, I think that should pique your interest. Uh, there's a lot there. And two quick points. Um, maybe just one, Greg, because the other one left my mind just as quick as, <laughs> as I thought. You said it, but, two. but, you know, <laughs> right. So eight years as Greg started, our, uh, as Kevin started uh, his response there, eight years, all this automation. I would argue that eight years is a long, it's like an attorney 10 years ago. It's like even even longer attorney that you know this year in in where we are today with digital transformation and and so much happening so you know the change is happening so much faster but what's uh greg your take when it comes to the future of work in supply chain well my initial thought was future of work is another one of those um areas future of work generally is a technology category of 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 products and it's something that we that i invest in and, and work with investment companies to evaluate so that's the next type of project to get screwed up by lack of <laughs> lack of uh management involvement and and oversight um but it, what i what was i was astounded by in reading this article is that every one of these things that they're talking about exists today what they're really talking about it i mean what they really hopefully mean is that they will become more and more automated because I had a job in 1992 where the order place, the order uh, management process was automated. No human ever mm -hmm. touched that. Mm -hmm. That was 30 years ago. Here, here's where I wow. think we need to be uh, distinct in, in defining supply chain because universally, especially to those at the highest level, which McKenzie operates at and, and uh, academics who are the other contributors to this article, they think of the supply chain as the manufacturing supply chain, which is dreadfully behind in terms of advancement. But if you think about retail and distribution levels of supply chain, they've mastered so many of these things decades ago. And what they need to be doing is looking at the models that have worked for those layers of the supply chain and, and start to adapt those towards manufacturing. The opposite has often been the true, the truth, because all the money, all the margin is made in manufacturing and supply chain. To give you an example, many manufacturers make double digit net profits after tax. Not a single distributor makes double digits, double digit net margins after tax. Some of them have to do manipulative forward buying te techniques in their inventory to even make a profit at all if they're in the food industry, for instance. And retailers typically make on, on the range of two and a half to five percent net margin after tax. So all of the opinions around supply chain come from manufacturing. Why? Because that's where the money is. And that's what McKinsey and educators work for is money. So we have to recognize that this is perhaps too broad, Kevin, to go to bring our little discussion full circle. <laughs> right? This is too broad of a statement around supply chain when, in fact, it should be focused on manufacturing supply chain and the ability to apply techniques that have already been in use for decades at other layers to manufacturing. So that's the greatest yeah, takeaway from my standpoint, right? Where well, they've been squeezing uh, retail for years is now time to squeeze manufacturing. It is absolutely, right? You're absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, when when you say gross margin at at manufacturing, it's gross in all capital letters, and gross in every other way you can imagine. <laughs> so, all right, I'll take a quick couple quick comments here. Uh, I'm gonna start going back since one of the constant themes of today's show is all about how it's the CEO's fault, right? It's <laughs> I have to add that. About a dozen times. <laughs> that's the name. That's the, that's the title of this yes, episode. <laughs> right. That is a title. Um, so DC is laughing because that's totally what happens. Uh, as a CEO, she says, I'm totally the person that reads, sees something in interesting and sends it to someone on my team to, to, to further investigate or to act. They probably roll their eyes every time, she says. Luckily, I have really smart folks on the team, and they tell me no. <laughs> yep. uh, I love that, that. Uh, DC. Yeah. Right. And memory is talking about the value of getting to the root of the problem, those five whys that, that Peter um, Bolay mentioned earlier. Dr. Rhonda, as always, a pleasure to have you with us. I'm sure you've got – I bet your, your calendar is, uh, is jam-packed full, but great that you could spend um, – you know, 45 minutes with us here today. So thanks for joining us. Now, 
Uh, Majdi asked uh, a great question uh, via LinkedIn. Is it really possible to automate everything in supply chain? Quick, quick. Oh, gosh, we're at the top of the hour. <laughs> oh, quick, yeah, quick response to that. That's an easy uh, in answer. In fact, yeah, though. that's right. Uh, no. Okay, Greg, go ahead. <laughs> uh, ditto, no. Ditto. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll all agree on there. Yeah, um, things change all, right. all the time. Man, normally I keep a, a, a very sharp eye on the you clock. lost control today. It is today, 1 o'clock. I think we right. did lose. We have <laughs> so much attack. lost control of the clock. Uh, I must have. Um, really quick. Uh, uh, you know, we want to break out the BCBM big crystal ball moment and wrap with that discussion. I want a very six, uh, another succinct answer. And the question, uh, completely unrelated to digital transformation to some degree, although they're looking at robotic umpire Thank calling, God. which would be interesting. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Eric, Greg, but man, you ruined my 90. Uh, let's see. That was a 97 Braves, I believe. Um, okay. So really quick, is there going to be a baseball season in 2022? Kevin, your quick take. Uh, yes, because if it doesn't, we'll have riots in the streets. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And Greg. <laughs> yes, but it will be shortened is my prediction. Yeah. It's too agree, late already agree. in my I, opinion. I, I agree I mean, with you. Having lived in Arizona and Rhonda lives in Arizona now. The greatest month in the entire year in Arizona is February because of spring training. And if the players are locked out, no spring training. It's too dangerous. They're too valuable of assets to put on the field out of shape. Um, you know, they aren't all Carl Carlton Fisk who could drink beer all summer long or uh, and still somehow play <laughs> baseball, <laughs> right? Or, or Babe Ruth who a smoked during the games and still managed to play. It's a different right. game than that. It's a different game. Carlton Fisk, of course, the Hall of Famer catcher for the, both the Red Sox and the White Sox, uh, probably in addition to some other stops in his career. Seema says, yes, there will be baseball. I love that. Um, you know, uh, I agree with both of y'all. I think there will be baseball. There's too much money uh, involved. There's too many people that that are depending on that as a departure. Yeah. Um, but it will be a shortened season, undoubtedly, because it's almost, to your point, Greg, it's almost already too late. And Kevin, yes, there'll be rights in the street if we do not see our, our beloved world champion Atlanta Braves and, uh, and the take Washington the field. Nationals. Okay. <laughs> That's yes. right. Kevin's a Washington Nationals fan. We got to put it in there for, for him for sure. Um, okay. Let's make sure as we wrap here, let's make sure folks know how to connect with both of y'all. I've really enjoyed. Uh, I love when we get um, both of, both of y'all together. Uh, there's so much um Highfalutin conversation. I appreciate y'all bringing it down for everybody's altitude, right? Uh, Kevin. Well, I don't know. Mohit uh, is a complaining, right? He says that we talk too fast. I'm going to say, hey, this is, this. <laughs> we record this. <laughs> so yeah, it's on right. demand. You can always go to supplychainnow.com. And play it slowly. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Because there will be a quiz. There will, they, there will be a quiz. The market will definitely quiz you on the things we talked about here today. And the stakes will be a lot more than a score on a pop quiz. Okay, Kevin, how can folks connect with you? So on uh, LinkedIn, Kevin Jackson, on Kevin underscore Jackson on Twitter. But of course, digital. we can go to Digital Transformers and Digital Transex on Twitter, and on uh, we, we got a page on LinkedIn now. Woo-hoo-hoo! So uh, come find us. You want to? You definitely want to get Jacksonized, I promise <laughs> you. Uh, you learn a lot from uh, Kevin I was thinking L. Jacksonated. And it's almost like vaccinated. Jack <laughs> I like right? that, man. That's I'm a lot better. Than, yeah, I'm going to start using that. get Jacksonated. confused with a, a, a new COVID variant. Come on. You're the <laughs> For what ails digital transformation? Get Jacksonated. Love it. Love it. All right. So, Greg, how can folks connect with Gregory S. White? Yeah, LinkedIn, of course. Greg White on LinkedIn uh, with Supply Chain Now. Uh, and Gregory S. White on Twitter and Instagram. And I promise I will get more active on both. Yes. And, folks. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, we have a new Instagram for digital transformers. All right. <laughs> Well, big thanks to Chantel for making that happen. Again, big thanks yes, to Chantel thank and Catherine and Amanda and Clay and everyone else behind the scenes to help make uh, production happen. Uh, we should add uh, really quick, Greg didn't mention it, 
folks connect, follow Greg on LinkedIn. Uh, the two or three times a week, he drops uh, some supply chain hot takes into uh, the LinkedIn ecosystem, and you're not going to want to miss it. He tells it like it is, and it generates a lot of buzz. And by the way, speaking of LinkedIn, uh, Kevin L. Jackson's got a, a wonderful newsletter that comes out, what, once or twice a month, Kevin? Well, actually, twice a week, actually. Twice a week? <laughs> Most <Wow>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm convinced. Digital, it's called Digital Business. Digital Business. Check that out. Connect with uh, Kevin L. Jackson there, too. Okay, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this rapid-fire hour and five minutes as much as I have. Uh, on behalf of our entire team, I want to challenge you. you know, it's going to be a lot to, to act on everything you heard here today, but it's real easy to act on one thing, and that is to do good to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. Folks, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.